On the virtual Bible study tonight, we want to talk about tolerance. I just can't tolerate some of the stuff you do, Jacob. Yeah, well, uh, and, get in uh, line. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we want to talk about tolerance and intolerance. And that's going to bleed over to a discussion about is there such a thing as absolute truth wherein we must be intolerant of anything different? We'll get into that idea. Yeah, yeah. Can we stand for anything and say that is absolutely wrong? Yeah. We, yeah. We're not going to put up with that. Right. All right. We're going to get into that. It's going to be a good discussion. We're going to start it right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we are back on the virtual bible study it is the virtual bible study for thursday november 7th 2019 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you good to be with you kyle welcome back to the program behind the controls glad that you're here good to be here been a few weeks since we've been with you glad that you're here glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight we look forward to hearing from you at 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com and if you are watching us live tonight the chat room is open for your comments the email is open for your comments if you're listening to us anytime in the archives in the podcast version send us an email to questions at collegeview.com with your comments on the program no matter how long it's been since we've aired the program or suggestions or questions for future editions of the virtual bible study we want to hear from you yeah, Jay. We're back in the saddle tonight after a rare week off last week. You and I were both out of town simultaneously. We were actually together and out of town. And so we weren't able to make all the wires work to get a program on. It just wasn't feasible. But we missed uh, We missed it. Yeah. So we're glad we're back, back to our regular yeah. schedule. Yeah. Um, so, well, on the program tonight. All right. So... Uh, earlier today, to our update list, we sent out some things we wanted to discuss, see if you could start sending us some feedback. We got a little bit. We'd be looking for more feedback uh, from uh, any of you who are listening. Get in the chat room or send us an email. We'll have our email box open. Uh, we sent out these questions earlier. Number one, is it possible to be tolerant of everything? What are the implications of total, complete tolerance? Number two, Jesus is correctly held up as the perfect example of love, compassion, and tolerance. Give examples from his life that show his practice in regards to tolerance or intolerance. And then we want to specifically deal with an incident that some people, I think, maybe take a wrong view concerning what Jesus did with the woman taken in adultery in John chapter 8. We want to look at that case specifically uh, number three, give Bible verses that instruct and command us in the matter of tolerance and intolerance. And then bottom line, is it possible to know what is absolutely true? Can we actually distinguish between right, what is right and what is wrong? Can we know what is sinful and what is not? Okay, good questions there and going to be a good discussion. And so let's get right into it. Uh, you know, a lot of people in our society today are, are well, sort of to- touting how tolerant they are. And that's sort of, it's sort of a, 
badge of honor uh, that you're tolerant. Well, and and of course, there's some things that we can afford to be completely tolerant about. You know, uh, so one guy likes to drive a Ford, the next guy likes to drive a Chevy. Uh, I I don't have a I don't have really any concern about that you know i can be you can be a big boy and whatever you like to drive drive it you know uh one guy likes to paint his house white the next guy likes to paint his house gray yeah okay i don't i mean that i can i'm tolerant of that i don't have to have an opinion about that i don't have to judge someone about that but when but when that idea bleeds over into religion uh and, and when we try to point out you know that the practice of this individual does not conform to scriptures. Now, when we do that, and I hope the regular listeners to the virtual Bible study uh, acknowledge that we try not to be mean or ugly, uh, try not to be proud or act like know-it-alls or anything like that. Uh, we're just pointing out what the scripture says, just the facts. Well, too often these days, the immediate response to that is you're intolerant. You're just intolerant, and that and that sort of means game over. We're supposed to drop it then. Uh, if if you sprinkle in a little bit of Matthew seven verse one, judge not that you be not judged. Mm-hmm. Why, all further discussion just comes to an absolute crashing halt. We can't talk at all. Uh, so we're just asking people to maybe logically approach this question. And the and our first question there is it possible to be tolerant of everything, and what would be the implications of total complete tolerance? Well, I, I got to tell you that uh, there's a lot of things that we would not be tolerant. No one tolerates everything. No one should be expected to tolerate everything. Uh, we're intolerant of murderers, uh, and, and we put them in jail. And I think all of us agree that's a good thing. I mean, I don't think we we don't want to tolerate murderers, you know. Well, that's a moral issue. Murder is a moral issue that's addressed in the Bible, right? Uh, But we're not we're not going to tolerate murderers. We want them to be arrested and prosecuted and punished if found guilty. Uh, So, just saying you're you're intolerant, we ought to be tolerant, is just way too broad of a statement. I think nobody can be tolerant of everything. now, there's some things I think we probably all agree about, you know, that, that we, we don't want to be tolerant of. Uh, uh, for instance, racial discrimination. We don't want to tolerate that. That's an ugly thing. We don't want to tolerate that. But we can't tolerate everything or there would be no rules for society to live by. I mean, it'd be complete anarchy. If we just if everybody is supposed to be allowed to do whatever they want to do and nobody can say anything about what anybody else does. If that's what is meant by complete tolerance, then that, that, that's the total breakdown of society. I, I, I like your car. I'm just going to take your car. That's what I want to do. You're going to have to tolerate me in doing that. I mean, it's a, it, it would result in a world with no rules, and, we, and, and society would collapse. You know, it's presented as sort of a, uh, a, a mark of intellectual superiority. If, if I, I'm, I'm open-minded enough, and I'm... I'm so intellectual that uh, I can tolerate this, and you and you know I'm I'm better than you because I can tolerate. You're you're sort of weak-minded. You're narrow-minded at least. Yeah, and you're not quite at the same level as I am. But I've reached to a you're, point. You're enlightened. I've reached a point where I can tolerate that, and yeah. and I'm good with that. Yeah. 
it sounds an awful lot like First Corinthians chapter 5, where they were tolerating the man who was engaged in fornication. And verse 2, it says, You are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he had done this deed might be taken away from you. They were tolerating it, and associated with that tolerance was this idea of being puffed up. And maybe I'm reading between the lines a little bit, but I, I can sort of envision sort of this intellectual superiority somehow that we've got to a point where, you know, that fornication doesn't bother us. Yeah. We're good with that. He, we, and we're all, we're all happy together and we're not going to make an issue out of it. And, and somehow there was this pride associated with that. And I think I see it in, in people today that are touting this idea of tolerance of sin is that, you know, I've, I've reached a point where I've determined that, well, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Again, I, I, I think, it, but logically, even those people who are sort of proud of their level of tolerance, there's, there's a line they won't cross. That's true. When it, becomes, when it impacts them, when it impacts their lives and their liberties, they're going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Uh, Kent sent in an email, Kent from Calhoun, Georgia, sent in an email and said, there is no way possible for one to be totally tolerant of everything. Even those who advocate total tolerance in all areas disagree and seek to convert those who are not totally tolerant. When one affirms the concept of total tolerance and then seeks to change the thinking of those who are not totally tolerant of those advocating total tolerance, they lose their total tolerance and become intolerant. Wow. Uh, I, I think he's right, and I yeah. think he was obviously playing on the words yeah. there. but. Sometimes the most intolerant are people, of people are those who are are advocating for total tolerance. So, what, what, in other words, what Ken is saying, if they're willing to tolerate, why can't they tolerate you having a view that disagrees with theirs? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then Daniel, uh, down in uh, Florida tonight, sends in. Um, he says, long suffering and many other good qualities of love match what is expected in tolerance. He references 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. But he says, but love rejoices in truth, not in iniquity. Uh, and then he goes on and references Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, exposing unfruitful works of darkness is commanded. How can we expose them if we do not, if we do or say nothing? Love demands that we be kind, not rude, but we must uphold the truth and good works. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Now, Daniel's got a good point. There are we are commanded to be tolerant of certain things, but understanding what the scriptures teach about that is is fundamental. As he's gone back to the scriptures to point out uh, that we've got to expose error and do it in a way that's loving. Yeah, um, good. So you know that we've got to identify the areas wherein we can be tolerant and wherein we must be necessarily intolerant. And and the only place to go where we can have agreement on the on the the rules of that game are found in the pages of scripture. How about guest thirty six thirty six in the chat room references Isaiah five verse twenty. Woe to those who call good evil and evil and uh, evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God has pronounced a he, he's got an he's got an issue with people who are. Well, people in our society today are saying, well, that's sin right there. That's actually a good thing, and we ought to be embracing and, and tolerating that. God's got serious issue with those people, as Isaiah 5, verse 20 references. Exactly right. Okay. All right. Now, what we, what we did as a follow-up to that is to suggest the perfect example in such matters is Jesus. He's the perfect example in everything. 
So we ask the question, since he's held up, and, and properly so, he's held up as the perfect example of love, compassion, tolerance. What are some examples from his life that show his practice in regards to tolerance or intolerance? Mm, sign in the chat room if you haven't already and share your comments yeah, on that. So you, you all, in the chat room or in email, send us an example. i got a couple here. For instance, in John chapter 2, uh, it, it says in John 2, beginning verse 13, the Jews' Passover was at hand. Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. Well, I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty intolerant to it me. Sounds pretty heated there, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you feel, you get the idea that Jesus was quite upset at the evil practice of those money changers in the temple proper. And it, there doesn't seem to be even a hint of tolerance in his in his attitude or actions on that occasion. Any of those pictures of Jesus you see, he's always pretty pale skinned, but I can envision Jesus' face was pretty red at this point. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not just. And I, 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 I don't, is that, is that the passage where it goes on to say his disciples remembered the prophecy that, that says. The zeal of you, thine house is uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was in John, uh, John, John 2, uh, verse 17, his disciples remembered that yep. it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Yep. He was eaten up with his passion in that matter. And so, uh, you don't get the idea there was tolerance there in in that example. That's just one. Um, but now, if he was like the tolerant crowd today espouses to be, he would have looked over and said, "That's okay. If you guys want to sell doves and and I can't say anything. I, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. But I can't I wouldn't say, say it's wrong. You. I mean, you yeah, know, it's, it's, it might be okay for them. Yeah. So it's not. It's not. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. But if it's okay for you, if you feel good about it, go. I won't judge Let's you. Let's just be inclusive. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to judge you. Do what they want to do in the temple. Of yeah. course, there's none of that. Yeah. Uh, here's another example. Uh, John four, beginning verse sixteen, uh, when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, Jesus, by divine insight, was aware of this woman and her life. We wouldn't be able to do, in this case, what Jesus did because he, he, he looked into her life miraculously. He knew, and, and, but he asked her a leading question or gave her, uh, made a statement, a leading statement that would draw out this matter, immoral matter in her life. In John 4, verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Then said, then said, and Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband for thou hast had five husbands and he whom thou now hast is not thine husband. And that sayest thou truly. So, uh, Jesus, uh, was aware of this woman's situation and he actually called her out on it. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he did it in a way. I mean, I don't, he wasn't hateful or mean-spirited, but this needed to come out. This needed to be brought to the surface. Get it out in the open where it could be discussed. Jesus knew this woman had a pretty serious problem of immorality in her life. She'd had five husbands, and now she's living with a man that she's not married to. Well, where's the tolerance? Why didn't Jesus say, well, 
That's, you know, I, I'm not going to say anything about that. Just going to let that be. That's her life. That's her situation. There's no, you know, I, I, I'm not going to speak to that. Uh, hopefully she'll work that out on her own in some way. But I'm not. I'll just look gonna, the other way. I'm going to look the other way. I'm not going to address that. Again, where's the, where's the tolerance? Jesus called her. Jesus wanted this to be brought to the surface so it could be discussed. Uh, uh, and then one more. Uh in Matthew 22, I think you can multiply these, by the way. Maybe some of our emailers have. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures, nor the power of God. You remember he was engaging with the Sadducees in that in that matter. But he basically said, You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know? Uh, and, you know, a lot of people say, Well, boy, that's pretty intolerant, isn't it? Uh, you mean... Well, Jesus was. When it was called for, he was intolerant. All right. We're past due for a break. When we get back, you know, I hear what you're saying about Jesus, but I'm having a hard time swallowing it because Jesus did say in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. So I think what you're doing is you're just making, you're just, you're just bending the scriptures a little bit because Jesus said, don't judge. All right, let's so deal with Jesus us. said, be tolerant for crying out loud. So let's deal with Matthew 7. I think we have to in this discussion. Matthew 7, beginning verse 1, about judge not that you be not judged. And then I want to also bring in that episode with the woman taken in adultery, what Jesus said to her. Oh, that's right. He was yeah. very tolerant about that as yeah. well. Oh, yeah. let's talk about that. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control-F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control-F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man? And instrumental music in worship? That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the webpage can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Look around at what you have before you complain about what you don't have. The true disciple is obedient rather than ambitious, committed rather than competitive. For him, nothing is more important than pleasing the one who called him. Adversity causes some men to break, others to break records. The world belongs to the man who is wise enough to change his mind in the presence of facts. The trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. Man, wish I'd said that. 
For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about tolerance, and, uh, and well, it's going to lead us into an idea of absolute truth that we can know what the Scriptures teach and what God feels about certain things. But, um, you know, before the, the break, you were going into these verses that you th- applied and said Jesus was intolerant. But I think the statement in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, is a statement of total tolerance. He says, judge not that you be not judged. That would imply to, that maybe Jesus said you should just em- embrace everything. Look, don't, no. don't, be, don't say anything is wrong. Judge not that you be not judged. At least that's the way it's being used in the world today, even in the religious world, sadly. Yeah. Let's read that. I think all of our listeners are probably very well aware of and familiar with Matthew 7, beginning verse 1, but we'll read it for the record. Matthew 7, beginning verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thy eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Uh, we have we have dealt with that passage. I, I can't imagine how many dozens of times we've dealt with that passage in, in, this, in the course of the many years of the virtual Bible study. And I think all of our listeners understand the explanation of that. Jesus was not making a blanket condemnation against all judging uh he was he was condemning hypocritical or hypercritical even judging the, the idea of a, a person uh who's trying to get a moat which is a word we're not really familiar with but it, we we we'd say a speck here's a guy who has a speck in his eye and someone's trying to get the speck out of it out of his eye meanwhile the guy who's trying to get the speck out has a literal beam a board sticking out of his eye jesus there uh used a a, a absurd graphical illustration to show how silly that is to to judge others about things that you are guilty of yourself to judge others about things that you haven't corrected in your own life but notice the end of that at verse 5 get cast the beam out of thine own eye then notice and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye take care of your own issues first but then he said, don't ignore even just a speck in your brother's eye. Don't ignore even a small matter. But get rid of the problems in your life first. Then you'll see clearly to help your brother get the problems out of his That's life. That's the point that Timothy makes in the chat room. Get the mode out of your eye so you can help others. Right. Exactly right. And then now, earlier he, he had mentioned judge righteous judgment, which is a, a, another important verse that we'll reference again. But that's John 7, verse 24. Yeah. Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So, yeah, uh, thank you for those comments, uh, Timothy. Uh, I guess 96.36 references 2 Timothy 3.13, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So Paul was being intolerant. He was calling people evil uh, men and seducers, and they're going to get worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So certainly Paul was willing to be intolerant. All right, let's 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 see. Uh, maybe we've got a couple of emailers here, Jacob. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, Kent uh, says, by the term tolerance, we refer to that of being 
patient or and or long-suffering. Devotion to the truth of God requires that we are uncompromising or intolerant of sin. Yet at the same time, one can be tolerant or patient with individuals who are studying the word of God and seeking to learn the truth. Matthew 12, or sorry, Mark 12, 28 through 34, serves as an example of the tolerant slash patient attitude of Christ towards those willing, or those who are willing to search for the truth. Uh, and so Mark 12, um, 28, reference there about Jesus and how he can be tolerant of those who are searching for the truth. You got that? Tandem? Yeah, uh, 12 beginning in verse 28. One of the scribes came, having heard the reason, uh, heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your, our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Uh, and the second is like, namely, this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love the neighbors himself is more than all the all whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. Notice, now, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said to him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Uh, so uh, th- this was one of the scribes. And of course, typically the scribes and the Pharisees were Jesus' arch enemies. They're the ones who tried to undo him. But here was a scribe who Jesus could see had a good heart, and he acknowledged that. And then he goes on. He says, though, he references uh, Mark Matthew 23, 28 through 33. It demonstrates that the intolerant attitude of Christ towards sin. And in Matthew 23, 28 and through 33, Jesus is really being direct and pointed at the uh, the uh, scribes and Pharisees for their hypocrisy. Even so, you appear uh, outwardly righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Um, and so um, he calls them in verse 33, you, serp- you serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? That whole chapter really is, I mean, Jesus, Jesus was really hammering the, the Pharisees for their hypocrisy. And so that's a good example. So <clears throat> from Kent's answer, <clears throat> excuse me, from Kent's answer, I think we see that Jesus would let the circumstance determine how he addressed various individuals. In the case of the first scribe who was really seeking truth, he would patiently work with him. In regards to those hypocritical scribes and Pharisees, he would condemn them. And so Jesus was intolerant of of those who were not genuine and true and sincere, who were not really even trying to to do right. For others who were seeking the truth, he patiently worked with them. And so I think Kent has shown both sides of the coin there in the case of Jesus. Um, Daniel uh, references Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50, the event at Simon's house with the sinful woman who was washing Jesus' feet. He says, uh, uh, it, showed, it showed at Simon's house that Jesus would not badger, belittle, or abuse someone because of their sinful state, but is willing to forget, willing to forgive the penitent. Okay. All right. All right. Now, Kent makes another statement, and it goes to this question we were asking about uh, the the woman taken in adultery, and some would use this case of in John chapter eight of the woman taken in adultery to show that Jesus was always tolerant of everything. 
Uh, it's a longer reading. We won't read it. Just let me read a few highlights of this. <laughs> Tickle right? in my throat. All right. uh, Do you want jo- me to read it? Why don't you let me read it? I've, I've just got some highlights picked okay. out here. Jacob, let me read. The scribes, so this is John 8, beginning verse 3. The scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman taken in adultery. Uh, and it says that they were tempting him that they might have to accuse him. And Jesus' response was, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And then it goes on to say, and when they heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, they went out one by one. And Jesus said, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. All right, so now I think this situation has been analyzed for centuries uh, but I think it's a misuse to when Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Uh, when Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Some, some people want to take that and say, oh, there you go. There you go. There's the tolerance. Here's this woman who was obviously a sinner. And Jesus said, I won't condemn you because of you. And they're saying that's an example of complete, utter, total tolerance. It's on okay the for her to be <clears throat> engaged in that sin. Well, first of all, uh, this whole situation was an obvious setup. It was a trap. Uh, it, it even says so. They were looking for an opportunity to accuse him. Uh, it's been pointed out so many times. If this woman was taken in the very act of adultery, as the text says, well, then the man must have been there too. Where was the man? Why didn't they bring the man? You know, this was uh, this was this was a, a not a legitimate situation because even if she was taken in the act of adultery, the man should have been brought with her. And and the law of Moses was clear about the punishment for adultery, uh, and they were still living under the law of Moses at that time, and it shouldn't have been a question. So Jesus presents a challenge to them because he could see through their their phoniness. He says, "He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone." He challenges them. And I think they realized they were caught in, the, in their dishonesty, and they all went out one by one. So Jesus said to the woman, where are your accusers? Now, under the law of Moses, it, it required witnesses. You couldn't, just, you couldn't just condemn a person on the basis of hearsay evidence. They had to be witnesses who could testify to the, to the charge. And so she, he says, where are your accusers? No, has no man condemned thee? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Well, Jesus had no basis to condemn her. He wasn't a witness to what she had done. And the ones who brought her had disappeared, uh, shamed by their own dishonest conduct. There was nobody there to condemn her. So Jesus himself wasn't a witness. Any man who claimed that he was a witness to what had happened had, had left the scene Jesus had no basis to condemn her under the law of Moses, which was the law they were living under at that time. Uh, But notice, he says, go and sin no more, which clearly shows that Jesus was aware of sin and said so. He wasn't going to tolerate the sin if there was sin. But he wanted it stopped. He, He said, go and sin no more. He was aware sin had happened. He said so. He wanted it stopped. That's not exactly the tolerance picture that some people like to paint from this uh, passage. All right. We need to get a break. When we get back, uh, let's get to Kent and Daniel both chimed in on that in their email responses. Okay. And um, as we're getting closer to the end of the program, we're going to wrap up with the idea that the Bible 
tells us that there is absolute truth, that we can know absolute truth. Yeah. Challenge for the folks in our chat room tonight, signing with just one verse, one verse that you believe shows the Bible claims there are absolutes that we should stand on and not be tolerant of just everything. Understand that, Kyle? So what is a verse, one verse, that you think shows the Bible sets itself forth as an absolute standard of right and wrong? What do you think about that? An objective, absolute standard. What's one verse in the Bible that teaches that? We're going to go to the break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, Daniel and Jared's comments on the woman taken in adultery and your comments as well. Sign in on that as well in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. According to a report by the Lichter-Rothman Group, 75% of all television programming is produced by about 700 people. A poll of their moral beliefs reveals the following. 86% seldom or never attend church services. 84% believe that government should have no laws regarding sexual conduct. 55% do not believe that adultery is wrong. It is little wonder that these 700 people are constantly attacking the moral values taught in the Bible and frequently ridicule the beliefs of those who follow the Bible as their guide. Now our question to you is this, how much do you let these people influence the decisions you make? Specifically, do you let them dictate your choices in regard to the clothes you wear, the language that you use, materialism and covetousness, your sexual conduct, your attitude towards social drinking, dancing, and other matters of morality? Jesus warned us that, quote, out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things, unquote. Matthew 12, verses 34 and 35. If we constantly take in the moral filth that is on TV, we should not be surprised to see that it is reflected in the way that we think and live. Christian, don't let this corrupting influence threaten your soul. Begin at once to exercise great caution concerning the programs that you and your children watch on TV. Philippians 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report, think on these things. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Rick Harris, and I love to listen to the virtual Bible study. I hope you'll join me and many others in this weekly Internet Bible study group. Be sure to listen every Thursday night. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. Reminding this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Kyle? At uh, collegeview.com, I can find some sermons that you're broadcasting there. Lots of folks listening to those and viewing those, so thank you, Kyle, for doing that. Uh, Any new playlists that you've been working on? Not much. We uh, just finished up our study of Jesus' uh, parables, which uh, I think uh, maybe I missed uh, one in there, but... There is a playlist there. So we can listen to the, her sermon of parables. And that was a Bible did, class on yeah, parables. We, uh, ten or there's probably, doing, so. probably 11 weeks worth, because if you missed one, I think we had a 12-week study there. So uh, that's pretty neat. You can go and just go through that playlist and catch all of those yeah. uh, on that topic. All right. Thank you, Kyle, for that. We, and, were, we were out of state last week, Kyle, and we got lots of good commendation about the work you're doing there on the college view live stream yeah well, everybody needs to tune in we did we have come on subscribe so all come right on listening all right 
Uh, we appreciate you listening tonight. We want to hear from you. <clears throat> questions at collegeview.com anytime with a question or suggestion for a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. Before the, program, the break, I uh, challenge the listeners to send in one verse from the, the scriptures that show that the Bible is an objective, absolute standard of right and wrong. We'll get to that. We're going to get to that yeah. in a minute. Uh, in the meantime, though, Dwight and Timothy have both uh, chimed in with their responses. Time for you to do that as well. Now, on to the woman who was taken in adultery. Uh, you made some observations about that, and Daniel in Florida did as well. He said, Jesus did say, verse 7, that he is he that is without sin among you, let him ca- first cast a stone at her. No one dared do it. Jesus was willing to forgive, but said, verse 11, go and sin no more. Okay. So Jesus wasn't tolerant if there was sin involved. Yeah. And obviously this woman had sin of some type in her life, all do. Jesus wasn't tolerant of that. He says, don't do it anymore. Yeah. The tolerant crowd in our society today says we ought to just go he, along with it. Yeah. The people today would have said, go do what you want to do. If you, uh, who, if, who am I to say you're yeah, right? Yeah. And if, if, if it's what you want, if you, if you feel good, do it. Yeah. So good point there, Daniel. Thank you for that. And then Kent says, in consideration of the woman taken in adultery as recorded in John 8, we note that Christ reacted in both tolerant and intolerant ways. He was tolerant of the woman who indicated a willingness to be instructed to be taught and rebuked due to sin. At the same time, the Lord made it very clear that such activity was both rejected and repudiated. Uh, And so the idea of go and sin no more, uh, Kent says, would show that Jesus wasn't tolerant. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And again, I got to stress that just in the technical aspects of that scenario, Jesus, under the law of Moses, would not have been qualified to condemn her in the sense of ass- assessing a legal punishment against the woman. I mean, that was that was a moral sin that had consequence under the law of Moses. And Jesus could not have enforced that. He was not a witness to what happened. He couldn't. He even violated the law of Moses. He would have been violating the law because he wouldn't. Have, he was not in a position to do the technical kind of. However, he did say, "Stop that sinning." Stop sinning. Yeah. All right. Ninety-six thirty-six has chimed into our challenge for one verse that shows the Bible is an absolute objective standard, and so it's going to make our job here easy at the end of the program. Uh, so if you haven't uh, chimed in, uh, join in with the others here, sending in the one verse or maybe more ver- more than one verse. We're not going to limit each other to just one. And we don't think you'd have. There is just one. There's multiples that show this. So send in your responses there. All right. Real quickly, because we're going to get we're going to get uh, need time for that last uh, thing. Uh, give Bible verses. Question three. Give Bible verses that instruct and command us in the matter of tolerance and intolerance. Let me read some real quick and then see if we've got some other. We've got some more. Okay. This is from Jesus, Matthew 7, verse 15. This is in the same immediate context where chapter 7, verse 1 says, judge not that you be not judged. In that same immediate context, Matthew 7, verse 15, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire, whereby, wherefore by their fruit ye shall know them. So notice, beware. How can I beware if I'm not realizing that some things are dangerous and can't be tolerated? Beware. You'll know them by their fruits, he said twice, suggests that you're going to have to make some judgments about these people. You know, you hear people, though, say there's good in all <coughs> religions, um, that uh, somebody may be, you know, just teaching something totally 
out there. Well, who am I to judge? So this take, take an extreme example. Take take maybe uh, the Unitarian Universalist Church that we interviewed a, a, a woman preacher from that uh, a good while back on the Virtual Bible Society. Everything goes. Yeah. You can be a homosexual. You can be an atheist and be a member of that church. But I should not say anything about that. Sound, that, that doesn't seem Who, to line could, up. Could you, they say anybody is a wolf in sheep's clothing? Or you shall know them by their fruits. Uh, I mean, Jesus was teaching. You're going to have to judge in such matters as that. That's an extreme example. Right. There's plenty of but others. But Jesus says, don't tolerate that wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. First John 4, verse 1, John said, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Uh who am I to say? Who am I to say? I can't judge. No, no, you, no, no you're say, actually commanded. I have to try this. You're spirit. commanded to, to distinguish about false prophets who right. are in the world. Okay. Matthew 18, verse 15, beginning, very famous. If thy brother shall trespass against thee, go tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let it be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. Whoa, wait a minute. My, now, notice, notice this, the scenario is my brother has trespassed against me. What do I do? This guy has has done wrong toward me. He's trespassing. Well... I'm just, I can't judge. I'm just going to have to be tolerant. I'm going to have to let that go. No. Jesus said, you pursue that. You pursue that situation for the purpose of restoring the guy who did the wrong. You approach him individually. And then you take two or three with you. And then as a final step, put it before the church. And ultimately, if he won't hear the church, then you withdraw yourself from him. There's there's clear instruction there about pursuing the matter, not being tolerant of sin, but actually pursuing the matter. Yeah. Then a very straightforward statement is in John 7, verse 24, that we mentioned earlier. Uh, and, and I think Timothy mentioned it in his chat room comment. John 7, 24, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. That's a command. We're commanded to judge righteous judgment. And so in all of those things, I think we see that. We are actually instructed to not be tolerant of sin, uh, to be intolerant of, of sinful matters. Absolutely. To your question about verses that indicate and instruct and command us that we should be intolerant uh, um, and also intolerant. So so you're referenced on the intolerance idea, but you also you asked the question about that we do need to be tolerant. Here's what uh, Kent says, 2 Timothy 2, verses 24 through 26, says, And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if peradventure God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who have taken the, who are taken captive by him at his will. And so, so, But if I was just tolerant of them then I wouldn't lead them to that repentance. That's right. But you're going to do it in a way that's it, well, meek. You've got to do it the right, in the right attitude, but it's not the attitude of total tolerance. That's right, exactly. And then you also reference Titus 1, verses 10 through 16. And we only have to read the first couple verses to show the attitude here. Titus 2, 1, verse 10. 
For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. Stop their mouths. Yeah. Withstand them to the face. Yeah. You got You're not going to just look the other way here. You're not just going to tolerate that. These uh, deceitful deceivers and vain talkers need to be stopped. Exactly right. All right. And then Daniel uh, references Galatians chapter six verses one and two. Uh, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. He says, we do something when there is a sin, but in meekness and gentleness. Yeah, we, but we, but the emphasis of our lesson tonight, and I, I agree completely about the comments that are being made about we've got to do it with the right attitude. But our emphasis is we got to do we got to address it. We can't ignore it. That you know, in regards to the tolerance versus intolerance question, the emphasis in those verses is you got to react to that. You can't just look the other way. You can't just say, "Well, I'm just going to tolerate that." Who am I to say? Yeah, no yeah. one. I'm not, yeah. Judge not. Judge yeah. not. No. Yeah. All right. Now he references uh, Romans fifteen one through three. He says, "If someone has scruples or a non sinful weakness, bear with them and please and edify them." So yeah, there's your tolerance. Yeah. If it's non sinful. Yeah, exactly right. Romans. That's a, good, a weak good. conscience. Or yeah. Something. yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now. We need to get a break. When we get back, we're going to go to uh, what you say is the bottom line, because this idea that we need to tolerate does have some pretty serious implications on the Bible itself. Can we know? Is it are we even is it possible to know what is right and what is wrong? We'll get that on the absolute truth. Ninety six. Thirty six is in another verse that shows that uh, there is absolute truth, that the Bible is an objective standard. What about your thoughts as well? One last break and time for you to send in your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. Hi, this is Jordan Sanders from College View Church of Christ, and here's some thoughts for you today. Have you ever wondered why there never seems to be enough time to get everything done? Well, we may not have the answer. According to an article in U.S. News, an average American in his lifetime will spend six months at a stop sign, eight months opening junk mail, one year looking for misplaced items, two years unsuccessfully trying to return telephone calls, five years waiting in a line, and six years eating. Other recent studies suggest that we will spend as much as 20 years watching TV and even more time sleeping. Now, to put this in proper perspective, think of this. If you attend every service of church, Sunday Bible study, Sunday morning and evening worship, and Wednesday night Bible study, you will spend only about 1.5 years total. That's only slightly more time than you will spend looking for misplaced items and only about twice as much time as you will spend opening junk mail. But some Christians will not even do this much. Over and over again, we return to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Do not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. God commands us to assemble. Why? The context of this verse clearly shows that it is for our benefit. Are you taking advantage of this great blessing? Christian, how are you using your time? If you don't regularly attend all of the services, you may be spending more time opening junk mail than worshiping God. Isn't that a terrifying thought? We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 52% of all self-professed Christians believe that non-Christian faiths can also lead to eternal life. That information is via the U.S. Religious Landscape Study by the Pew Research Center. The Word of God says in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. 
Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. All right, we're back on the program tonight. Now, so this idea that's so prevalent in the religious world today is that we just need to be tolerant, that we can't say anything's wrong, and that there there really are no more absolutes. You know, maybe that idea probably started in the maybe in the, the academic world or something like well, that, but it's, it's infiltrated churches today. Yeah, we live in what is identified, I don't know about this, the identifier, but it's called the postmodern era. And I, I was reading a little on this. A guy named Stanley Grins wrote a primer on postmodernism. And he says, postmodernism affirms that whatever we accept as truth and even the way we envision truth are dependent on the community in which we participate. There is no absolute truth. Rather, truth is relative to the community in which we participate. So you get that. In other words, where we live, or at least, well, how about this community? We have a rather small community in the church, in this local church. So in this immediate community, uh, you know, we would say, yeah, uh, homosexuality is is strongly condemned in, in our community, in this small community. But that's just that's just the community in which we live. That's, yeah. that's not true everywhere. Yeah. There are some communities where it's widely accepted. So yeah. it's okay. If you were in that community, it would yeah. be okay. Well, I was brought up in a household that, that taught me that it's wrong to lie, steal, and cheat. But Kyle, his, his upbringing was it's perfectly fine and expected that you should lie, steal, and cheat. And so, well, Kyle, it's okay if you lie, steal, and cheat, but it's not okay for me. Yeah. Postmodern. So, post, yeah, so it's, it's the idea that there's no, there's no absolute truth, which the Bible denies. And we ask, uh, is it possible to know what is absolutely true? Can we actually distinguish between what is right and wrong? Can we know what is sinful and not? And our answer to that is yes, we can know. And you were asking uh, yeah. in the chat room, Jacob, for people to chime in. All right. So we have several responses here. Dwight is in it another as well. So Dwight's in Ames, Iowa tonight. He references John eight thirty two. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So that's very objective, very singular. You can know. And it is the truth. It's yeah. not one for you, one for Kyle, one for me. Yeah. It's one absolute standard. Of right and wrong. And so John 8, 32 is a great one. Thank you for that, Dwight. Uh, Timothy says, those who practice the works of the flesh in Galatians will not inherit the kingdom of well, God. Wait a minute. How is that? I mean, uh, how can that be? You're not. Uh, so you do something and you're not going to, because of that, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God? How fair is that? That sounds pretty absolute. It sounds absolute, doesn't it? I mean, that, those are absolute. Like, yeah. you, you did that, you're not going to inherit the kingdom yeah. of God. Right. You're right, Timothy. You're right. Okay. 96.36 references Second uh, Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So there's one that's, that sounds very absolute. It's, it's the, the scriptures are given for correction, for training, you know, in matters of righteousness, yeah. doing right, which is listening to that guy with that gibberish about postmodernism. Truth is sort of some kind of fuzzy nebulous that nobody yeah. can really pin down. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that. And then 9636 goes on and references uh, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Right. Uh, that's absolute. That's objective. I can put my finger on that. 
And then Dwight chimes in. He says, being patient and being tolerant are two different things. We need to be patient and teach people and give them time to learn. But if they are in sin, we must tell them and not condone it. Very good. Thank you for that, Dwight. Uh, um, Kent, by email, said, all truth exists objectively and therefore can be known. John eight thirty two. A study of all the New Testament books demonstrates that we can know the difference between what is right and wrong. We can know the difference between that which is righteous and that which is sinful. Romans 16, 17, 18, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, 1 John 1, 6 through 10. We therefore can deduce from the scriptures uh, knowledge as to whether or not we are living lives that are approved of God. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, which says, you know, to examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Yeah, all right. Thank you for that, Kent. And then um, Daniel answers your questions. Is it possible to know what is absolutely true? Can we actually distinguish between what is right and wrong? And can we know what is sinful and what is not? Daniel answers yes, yes, and yes. We can know the truth of God's word and what his word says is right and wrong and what his word says is sinful or not. He references John eight thirty one and 32, yeah. the popular verse tonight in this discussion. Um, and it certainly does show us that the Bible does have an objective standard of right and wrong. And so, uh, as, um, we mentioned, as uh, Kent mentioned in his email, the burden is on us to examine that standard and align with it. Now, just because you may not like the standard, just because you may not agree with the standard, doesn't mean there's not a standard. Let me give you some more statistics. Uh, in, in the United States, there's very little consensus on what is morally right and wrong. Uh, so the question is asked, uh, right and wrong, what's it based on? Where does it come from? How can someone know what to do when making moral decisions? According to a majority, this is from the Barna group that does a lot of research and statistics and so forth. According to a majority of American adults, 57%, in fact, say, say that knowing what is right or wrong is a matter of personal experience. This view is much more prevalent among younger generations than among older adults. Three-quarters of millennials, 74%, agree strongly with the statement, whatever is right for your life or works best for you is the only truth you can know. Wait a minute. That's 74%. Three-fourths of millennials say that what uh, whatever is right for your life or works best for you is the only truth you can know. Isn't that that's frightening? That's scary. Uh, so um, uh, that's this that's this idea. There's no absolutes. It's just whatever you know. Basically, it's the idea of what works for you. If it feels good, if you enjoy it, if you if it if you don't feel guilty, it makes you go you for go. it. Unbelievable. What do you think about that, Kyle? Isn't that scary? I mean, it's... I mean, but it's it's what we experience on a yeah, day-to-day basis. I think the end result of all of this has to be that, you know, if it what feels good, then what, what about serial killers? That feels great to them, I imagine. Yeah, it, they it, actually... They, so, they get some kind of statistic so pleasure then, out of that. How can, how can I... How can I, using that rationale, say that is wrong for you to kill that person, but if you feel that it's okay, then... Do How it. can I rationalize yeah. saying no? I can't you. judge you about that. So there has to be lines. Yeah. And Jesus, it, Jesus himself, which at the, at the base of it, Jesus said he didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. So it's, it's you no. Know, there's there are lines. There are firm. There's what's light and what's darkness. There's no gray area. So you have to. It has to be. It has to be. Uh, I, I made the observation that the 
so-called tolerance crowd will tolerate everyone except those who take a stand for objective, knowable truth. Uh, uh, The tolerance crowd, very intolerant toward people that they think are intolerant. I came across, uh, oh, oh, someone used this example. If you don't like my stand on nonviolence, I'll kill you. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, just you can't tolerate intolerance. I I came across a church ad, and let me read this quote. Uh, The church ad said, quote, We are tired of the judgmental attitude that is so prevalent in the church today. We're not here to judge each other, but to serve each other. Now, think about that for a minute. That sounds sort of noble, you know, when you and and certainly politically correct. But if you think about it, they're judging those that don't agree with them. They're judging those that they claim to be tired of you. They're judging judgmentalism. Yeah. So, uh, again, it's the idea that they can tolerate everybody except those who they judge to be intolerant. So it's hypocrisy. Yeah. Well, and certainly hypocritical judging is certainly not uh, correct. But, Kyle, if I see you in sin and for me to look the other way, I'm tired of the judgmentalism and just let you go on in your sin. Well, where's the love in that? Yeah, it's it's, uh, we're snatching from the fire. If we see our brother, it's I when my I talked about not long ago in our invitation. Like if you see your brother with his one foot in life and one foot in you know hell we're supposed to reach him snatch him from the snatch him from the fire yeah we have to judge that he needs help yeah he's it going takes, down a path that is going to lead yeah. to his destruction and i'm so, going to stop him i think yeah. we, if we see that and we don't we may have to we could have to give an account for that well, maybe on the day of judgment like, it's what? not the loving thing yeah, to do so i mean it is, i think some people equate this uh, well if i just don't say anything about what he's doing that's i'm, I'm just showing love for him i'm not judging him i'm no, I'm 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 not loving him. I'm letting him proceed toward eternal damnation. But he might be in, he might become uncomfortable if I say something to him. It might it make him will be uncomfortable. But you know, we need to, it is. It's very uncomfortable to have to talk about open up people in our personal lives and especially our spiritual lives. That takes that takes some some boldness, but it takes love too though. So. Yeah, right. Dwight has one last comment in the chat room. From Ephesians 4, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Very specific teaching, you know, the idea of absolute truth. Mm-hmm. Glad to see that Dwight can still fill his fingers out there in Iowa. It's maybe not quite as cold there yet, but uh, he's still able to type. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. next week he may not be able to comment. <laughs> Thank you for that, uh, Dwight. Thanks for all our listeners uh, for ch- joining in tonight. It's good comments in the chat room, and uh, they stepped up to the challenge there and helped us with those verses at the end, and appreciate that. Uh, Kyle, final thoughts from you? Uh, it was a good study. I think it is. Always good. Thank you for being here, Dad. Uh, Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us again, and hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College 
College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.